Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Welcome to the road to the final four. Juan, do you think the Supreme Court purposefully timed this NCAA case so that it'd go down at the exact same time as the NCAA basketball tournament? Boy, I don't know about that, but they certainly they certainly do have a sense of timing, don't they? <laughs> I feel like the, the justices should like hear this case uh, from, from courtside during one of the games. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I'm, now I'm imagining all of the justices sitting there, like, giving a play-by-play with the March Madness music playing. And, like, <laughs> welcome back to Supreme Court Madness. I'm Chief Justice John Roberts with the legal showdown you've all been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jeremy Siegel. Not John Roberts, even though I'm sure that was pretty convincing. This is Politico Dispatch, and today... The truth is, a lot of people have been waiting for this very showdown. This is a huge year for college sports, and if you're looking for any evidence to that point, just look at what's going to be happening inside the Supreme Court today. As justices get ready to hear opening arguments today in Alston v. NCAA, Juan Perez on the Supreme Court case that could shape the future of college sports in the U.S. Just in from the Supreme Court, they have agreed to hear a case on pay for college athletes. NBC News so, Juan, every time there's a big Supreme Court case like this involving a big topic, in this case, student-athletes and the NCAA, I feel like I get it really wrong. You know, I think it's about one thing and then it's like really when it comes down to it about something totally different. Reading your reporting on this case, I realize I've I've gotten it wrong again. I hear student athletes, compensation, NCAA, and I think, all right, the Supreme Court is deciding on whether college athletes can do commercials and get paid for it, which I now know is, is not what they're deciding on. It's a lot more complicated. And I was hoping to get started here that you could just explain this case to me that justices are hearing opening arguments for today, Alston v. NCAA, in like the simplest terms you can imagine in like a minute. Huh. In a minute. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm setting a timer here. Oof. Let me think about this here. That's five seconds you just wasted, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> The NCAA is appealing a lower court decision that said the association has to allow schools to offer really costly educational benefits and even cash awards for student athletes that are that are related to academics, right? That's that's kind of the key thing. It's related to academics. It's it's not uh, related to outside business ventures or or sponsorships that athletes could or or could not potentially pursue in the future. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. So this is a case not about whether athletes can get paid like millions of dollars for, say, Nike ads, but about whether schools can compensate them with certain education-related benefits. Yes, and that can include, say, graduate school scholarships, study abroad opportunities, computers for educational use. I mean, there's a broad array of stuff that could be involved here, and some of it could be really expensive. 
a group of current and former players challenged the NCAA's rule that prohibit athletes from accepting money or other forms of compensation. A federal judge found those NCAA's restrictions were Uh anti-competitive. So the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit affirmed that lower court decision. And now the NCAA is appealing that. The NCAA basically arguing that this would undermine a hundred years of history and start to blur the line, really meaningfully blur the line between amateur and professional athletes. Now, the other side of the argument, the athletes are basically saying, good, yeah, we need to do that. I think it's important to say that what justices are going to be looking at does not include this separate policy debate that's currently smoldering inside Capitol Hill and state capitals and and certainly in stadiums about whether athletes should be able to make money uh, off of their publicity rights from, say, pitching products or, you know, sponsoring sports camps. But it's important to say that even though these issues are kind of separate, at least as far as the court's perspective is concerned, they've become deeply related in the public eye. Mm. And we can't ignore the fact that the backdrop of this case is playing out as one of the biggest sporting events really on the planet plays out over the course of the coming days. Coverage of the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament is sponsored by Capital One. What's in your wallet? GEICO. You could save even more by bundling home and car insurance. And by AT&T 5G. March Madness is a humongous moneymaker, not just for the NCAA and its member institutions, but for advertisers, for corporate sponsors, for broadcasters. Uh-huh. We have to understand the fact that The NCAA and its members have seen their revenues increase dramatically since the 1980s. College sports today looks nothing like what it did uh, back in the olden days, so to speak, before the TV deals were so huge, before the spending on stadiums and coaches' salaries and facilities and all of this stuff became such a massive, massive industry. So that's, I think, a critical part of the backdrop here. And if you're looking for just a sense of how controversial this is, just look at who's on either side of the case here. You've got associations that represent colleges and universities on one side with the NCAA. You've got uh, Joe Biden's administration through the Justice Department backing the players. And in addition to that, the players are getting support from even a group of former NCAA officials themselves, people who were actually actively involved in regulating this. And if you read the court filings that they submitted to the court, they they kind of lay out just how big the money has gotten here. Consider this. In 1985, they point out that the top division of NCAA schools at that time raised about $922 million. In 2016, Division I schools raised more than $13.5 billion. Wow. Uh, The NCAA negotiated a massive extension for its contract for March Madness broadcasting rights. From 1982 to 1984, these folks note that CBS paid $16 million a year to televise the tournament. The value of the current contract is nearly $20 billion. That's just a taste of the kind of money that we're talking about. It's interesting that you bring up the ad revenue, and there's the fact that there are legislative efforts both nationally and in states right now to make changes to the way student-athletes are treated. You know, Congress has been debating the issue for the past year. California has a law that'll allow students to get paid for ads and stuff starting in 2023. Even though this case isn't about all of that, does it feel like something bigger 
is at play here? Like, could a ruling in this case be a driving force in this broader debate going on and be like a step forward toward student athletes no longer being considered amateurs? I think that's definitely a concern that the NCAA would would uh, would say is is possible here. I, I think they're worried that an unfavorable law or an unfavorable ruling would certainly undermine the distinction between uh, what they characterize as the distinction between professional and, and amateur athletics, um, and and would in fact sort of blur the line before uh, between um, professional sports and and what we know as as college sports. That's part of the NCAA's concern. Um, at the same time, though, I, I think it's difficult to forecast what exactly is going to be in the future because I want to emphasize that could very well be up to lawmakers on Capitol Hill and lawmakers in state houses across the country that are exploring various ways to address this issue, right? And right now, there's a lot of interest between notable influential figures in both the Democratic side of U.S. Congress and Republicans as well, sort of trying to work through the idea of, okay, should there be a federal law that sort of cuts off all these state efforts to regulate how athletes can profit off their publicity rights or some kind of law that uh, forces colleges to share some of the revenues that they make with athletes. There's a lot of ideas out there right now, and there's still a lot of public debate that needs to happen to really get a sense of what compromise is going to look like at a Capitol Hill, because that could very well set the tone for the future. Juan Perez, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you for having me. Also today, small businesses are now getting two more months to apply for billions of dollars in forgivable pandemic relief loans. President Biden signed a bipartisan bill into law yesterday, keeping alive one of Washington's most popular coronavirus aid programs. The measure delays the Paycheck Protection Program's application deadline from March 31st, today, to May 31st, and then gives the Small Business Administration another 30 days to process pending loans. The nearly $1 trillion program offers loans that can be converted into grants if businesses maintain their payroll. And Asian American advocates and lawmakers are praising the White House for a series of actions aimed at addressing a spike in anti-Asian hate incidents in the aftermath of the shooting in Atlanta that killed six Asian American women. Among the moves announced on Tuesday is a new $49.5 million grant program for Asian American and Pacific Islander survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault under the Department of Health and Human Services, a COVID-19 equity task force to address xenophobia against Asian Americans, and a Justice Department cross-agency initiative addressing rising hate crimes against Asian Americans. The move comes just a week after two Asian-American Democratic senators publicly criticized the White House for its meager representation of Asian-Americans in senior positions. Right now, none of Biden's cabinet secretaries are Asian-American or Pacific Islanders. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend to check out the show. You can also help us out by leaving a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>